Craig Bolanos on the Wintrust Business Lunch, the co-founder and CEO of Wealth Management Group. Let's start talking about this rally we're on, Craig. How do you score that? How long has the market been tipping up? Oh, my heavens, from the depth of a fiery hell in October with a 10-year Treasury over five, people worried the S&P was going to break back below 4,000. We've gone from correction to momentous rally in a very soft 32, 33 days. And, yeah, it's one of those few times you and I spoke two weeks on your program. I don't want to say people can fall asleep at the wheel, but if there's ever a time to play pickleball, it's over the next two weeks because we just have momentum as we mark up into the Santa Claus rally. Oh, hi, Craig. So that is pretty amazing. I mean, like that's a six weeks that the market has been trending up. Uh, did you see that coming uh, in uh, October? Well, you know, I talked in a number of publications about there's a seasonality to the market, and usually the seasonality turns in November. But if you were to ask me, do I think the Dow Jones would have printed 37500 No. Do I think the S&P would have been trading just below 4800 No. I expected a rally, but not a rally of biblical yeah. proportions the way in which we've had. But well, in the same vein, John, who would have thought the Fed would talk about cutting rates as much as they have? Yeah, I've heard three, then four, then five times. What's your read on that? Well, you know, I've heard three, four, five. I've even heard six. I got to count on more hands, you know, that I only got how five many fingers times on they, one hand. How many times do they meet in a given year? Are they going to have some, uh, you know, midweek games as well? There's enough meetings for them to do this, but here's what I will say clearly, the three pillars are in place. Those three pillars being rate cuts for 2024, a 10-year Treasury, which influences the cost of borrowing under 4%, and inflation continuing to go lower. We'll get confirmation once again on Friday. We've got a good recipe to close the year and a decent recipe to start off. 2024. But I do want to make sure investors realize things right now are a little bit priced for perfection. And that means an air pocket could open up at any time. Shouldn't deter people. We just need to realize that's on the table. You think some profit taking is coming? I don't think there's going to be a lot of profit-taking between now and the end of the year. I do think there is going to be some rotation. I think there's going to be some rebalancing. I mean, when you look at the fact that the magnificent seven, those seven companies, we've talked about them time and time again on the Wintrust Business Hour, John, those things are up so big this year. I got to think people are going to start doing a little bit of rotation into areas of the market that haven't participated. Think energy, think certain areas areas in the communication services sector. And of course, don't look past healthcare. Hasn't rallied in 2023, but 2024 could be the year. And small caps will be the beneficiary of lower interest rates, right? Small caps are definitively going to be the beneficiary of lower rates. And as you know, in the last 30 days, we've seen this resurgence in the S&P 600 small cap stocks, a resurgence in the S&P 400 mid cap stocks, still a long way to go. But as I look out into 2024, knowing that we've got a consumer that 
I think this is going to be the year, John, that people wake up with a financial hangover from all the bills in January, February, because of the higher interest rates on everything. I do think we're going to see in the second half of 2024 a consumer who finally buckles under the pressure of these increased rates, years of higher inflation, and that could lead to a slowdown. So I think small and mid caps can be in the portfolio, but they should still be the minority positions. Oh, Craig, you so silly. Are you saying that American consumers will stop putting things on their credit cards? I'm saying American consumers are going to start running out of room to put things on their credit cards, kind of like the U.S. government. We're already borrowing money every single month to pay the interest on the money we've already borrowed. I'm worried that in 2024 we see people taking out credit cards to pay the bills on some credit cards that are already maxed out. It's disappointing. I don't think it's going to affect the Christmas sales. Again, $966 billion, That's the over-under. I think we're going to take the over this year, but it's going to start showing up in 2024. You think that deficit, though, is the elephant in the room? Oh, I think the the biggest untold story of this year is the fact that we had two downgrades of U.S. debt, right? You know, one, a negative credit watch. I mean, and no one's paid any attention to it. No one's talked about it. We've all looked past the U.S. debt downgrades this year. I got to think that that's eventually the story that really matters because we have a mathematical problem in the United States the same way we try to solve for retirement problems for clients at Wealth Management Group. So, yeah, John, that's the elephant in the room. I'm sorry, what's the relationship between that and the way you try and manage money for your clients? Well, I want to make sure people are great stewards of their finances. And, you know, it's not enough to retire. You have to stay retired as a country. It's not enough for us just to say, hey, we've got this great economy. We're an economic powerhouse. We've got to stay a great economy, stay an economic powerhouse. And that means we, too, as a country, need to be a good steward of our money. And we can't borrow into oblivion. It eventually catches up with you. Yeah, but about my finances, I'll save as much money as I can. I'll retire. Hopefully Social Security will be there. It probably will be. Maybe not my granddaughter's case, but Social Security, as I know it, will probably be there. Um, so what else do I do in being the good steward you're talking about? Well, I think at the end of the day, John, it comes down to, for all of us, it's a little bit like, you know, we're our own CFO. That's truthfully. We're each the chief financial officer of our household. And it begins with having a command of our cash flow. And having a command of our cash flow means having a budget. You know, a budget means telling our money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And when we operate within that budget and we can create a comfortable, non-flashy lifestyle determined by us, determined by our values, then we can start investing, saving with discipline, putting the money in the right types of accounts so that we can eventually create an income stream that we can't outlive. Because again, it's the peace and freedom from worry that all of us are looking for when it goes into retirement. So if we did a printout of our checking account and tracked all of our bills for a month, where do you think the fat is for a lot of us? What do you think the biggest opportunity is to save more? No, I don't want to tell people not to do it because it's the two areas that make America great. The slippage, the fad, as you refer to it, is M&E, Meals and Entertainment, and T&L, Travel and Leisure. And no one does Meals and Entertainment better than us Americans, John. You know it to be true. It's funny because people do want experiences, food or travel, 
more now than gifts and items. Maybe if we buy less, you know, I wonder if the number was the same, but the expenditures were different, that that would get us out of jail here. Maybe we're doubling down. Maybe we're buying too much stuff and playing too much, huh? There might be a little bit of that, but I think you're right. Culturally, things have changed. I even think you see that in real estate. People like to tie it into higher mortgage rates and this and that. No, I think the puck has moved. I think the attitude has shifted. You know, people no longer define what I call some of the pillars of financial success as home ownership anymore. People define themselves not through the country club membership and things. People define themselves by these experiences that they then share that live on social media on Facebook and Instagram and the right companies, the right marketers are waking up to that and making plenty of money with it. But in that same vein, that's the slope that gets a lot of us as consumers over our skis. Well, what do you think then? Answer this question in just a minute. Craig Bolanos, co-founder and CEO of Wealth Management Group. So then should a mortgage be part of every person's portfolio or at least every young person's portfolio? Is that, in fact, a place you would recommend putting money in? There's plenty of renters out there right now, some by choice, some not. But how important is a mortgage, is real estate in a person's portfolio, would you say, Craig? No, John, it still has a place. I believe in ideas that are TNT, tested in the trenches. And in today's world, everybody looks to the get-rich-quick schemes. You know, and they're primarily digital today. Non-fungible tokens, the disaster that was Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, or the meme stocks. But I tell everybody, the path to home ownership it might seem daunting, it might seem unobtainable. It starts out expensive, but over time, don't look past building equity mortgage interest deductions, and all the long-term advantages that come with wealth building through forced savings and disciplines of a mortgage. So it still has its place. I don't think the dream is lost. Mortgage interest deductions, that's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm glad that the, that's, that's a government policy. You know, they could change that someday. I doubt they will. But that's, that's the government saying, we want you to own a home. It's the government saying, we want you to own a home. We want you to be vested in that home, vested in the community, have to work and produce. There's all these intangibles that are there. And I can make the argument for forever renting, but if you gave me a choice, ultimately retirement is all about cash flow. And if I had the ability to find a way to pay down the principal on my mortgage and retire without that piece of debt, what a great way to improve cash flow. And that's why we've seen generations of Americans own homes and be successful with that strategy. So then put in perspective to us what you think about the possibility that the Fed will lower mortgage rates many times this year. Pardon me, interest rates. Yeah, I don't think anyone's getting back to a two and three eighth, two and five eighth, two and seven eighth mortgage. I think it'll also be a hard stretch to get back down to four on a traditional 30 year amortization. But the brief stint that we did above eight that turned into a seven that's going to come down into the mid to high sixes, that's all a very good spot to be. And I think people should be comfortable borrowing. I look back at my first condo, I paid over eight. I look at the second 
vacant property, we paid over six, and then downwards we went. But I do think these low rates, they were so artificially low, it is going to continue to create an inventory problem because there's far too many people who aren't going to want to trade a mortgage that starts with a two for one that's two and a half to three times higher. There weren't many arms incentives, though, in the last year or so. Do you think there's a number we need to get to and suddenly people will start moving out of the houses they're in? You know, it's tough to say. I think there's too many complexities because I don't think it's just about interest rates. I think it's about an awful lot of things, not just interest rates. But I say this, we're probably directionally correct on the cost to borrow once we get deeper into 2024. I don't know what directionally correct means. What did you just say? Well, lower rates are going to help start stimulate. I just don't have a magic number. But, John, I'll give you a magic number on something else. I'm enjoying these terribly low oil prices, but I do get worried with all these things in the Red Sea, the fact that we're pausing some of the shipping containers going back and forth. People should be looking. I mentioned some air pockets, some growth scares could happen. If you put oil back to $85 a barrel, there's going to be a problem. Right now, let's enjoy that it starts with a seven, but we shouldn't lose sight of that because it's all about inflation, which leads to the Fed, which leads to the lower rates and keeps the soft landing going. So higher gas prices are going to cost, make everything cost more, right? That's the bottom line. Again, you raise oil prices, you go ahead and create a reflation scare, not a deflation, which has been the good spot we've been in. And again, every extra dollar we got to pay at the pump is a dollar we can't spend on meals and entertainment and travel and leisure. So ultimately, to some degree, things do come back to the price of oil. And one last thing, there's not much we can do about that. That's not really that much a function of U.S. policy, right? You know, I do think there's internal things. Yeah, I'm going to let everybody in D.C. and on a state level kick the political football back and forth one way or another. But I do know this. At the end of the day, if China comes online, if China goes ahead and does a stimulus package, what I think that country needs, there's going to be an increased demand for oil. Put on top of that some potential supply shocks with all the conflicts that continue to pop up. And oil could be the story of 2024, which also means energy companies might just be a decent investment as people go into year-end rebalancing 2023. You've said energy as a sector twice at the beginning and end of this conversation. Interesting. Craig Bolanos, co-founder and CEO of Wealth Management Group. Nice to talk to you today, Craig. Happy holidays. Our best to you as well, John. Thank you.